Hey friends, welcome to episode 154 of Motherhood in Hollywood. My guest today is Michelle Chidoni. She is the vice president of global brand communications for Mattel. And we are going to be talking about all things Barbie. Here we go. Come on, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Motherhood in Hollywood. Hi, I've missed you guys. Hope you're having a great week so far. As I mentioned, my guest today is Michelle Chidoni. She is the vice president of global brand communications for Mattel. And she is one of the people in the new documentary on Hulu called Tiny Shoulders Rethinking Barbie. So I watched this um, probably about a month or so ago and was fascinated by the story of Barbie, but also how much thought and time and resources have been put into reimagining, well, not even reimagining, um, I don't want to say reinventing either because that's not really what they did in this documentary, but they are, um, they're updating Barbie, um, rethinking it. That's as the title of the, of the documentary says they're rethinking Barbie and what she stands for and what she looks like and, um, to be more reflective of today's world. So I just thought it was really fascinating. And, and Michelle is a mom and who has a little girl who plays with Barbies. So I thought it would be really great to talk with her about her perspective on this iconic toy and this iconic figure because Barbie is an icon. You know what I'm saying? I mean, who hasn't played with a Barbie at some point in their life? So it's really interesting to hear what she has to say from um, that side, uh, from that perspective, from her perspective, I should say, uh, working on the Barbie um, team, working to um, let the masses know, the media know, since that's her job as well. Uh, what's going on with Barbie and with Mattel. So it's a really interesting story and a really fascinating documentary. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. It's on Hulu. It's called Tiny Shoulders Rethinking Barbie. And we'll get to the interview with Michelle in just a minute. But uh, I want to talk to you guys. Uh, Did you check out my last podcast about Hawaii, about Disney Alani? If you haven't yet, do that. It's so fabulous, you guys. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still dreaming about our Hawaii vacation uh, to Disney Alani, wishing I was still on the beach uh, having a large pineapple beverage. But alas, I am back at work. And, um, uh, you know, something happened yesterday, and I would love to hear your thoughts about it. I would love to know what you guys think, and maybe I'll just vent for a second. But um, I was at an event the other day, and one of the women there, who's a friend of mine, called me a mommy blogger. She's like, well, you're just, you know, aren't you just a mommy blogger too or whatever? And I was like, no. <laughs> and and here's the deal. And I, I'm not offended by it. I do not get angry when people call me a mommy blogger. Or maybe I do get offended. But it, it um, it's not who I am. It's I don't like to be lumped into that category as a mommy blogger. And truly, it's no, I don't, I mean, no offense to anybody who is a mommy blogger because I think they're amazing. But I, f- I get frustrated because I feel like I am a multi Emmy award winning journalist <laughs> and an actress who's been in almost 50 film and television shows. So 
when I when someone says, "Oh, you're just a mommy blogger," or "You're a mommy blogger," whatever, it kind of feels diminutive. It feels like it it maybe just the term I don't know. It belittles what I do and what I've done, and that is very frustrating to me because I feel like I'm like, "Hey, I'm I I'm I rarely ever blog." <laughs> I'm actually a really terrible blogger, um, but I can talk a lot, which is why I have my podcast. So I don't know. I don't know why I let stuff like that bother me. I don't know why I take offense to that term. Um, it just chaps my hide a little bit. But anyway, um, and what else is happening? Oh, I saw a star is born. You guys, I have mixed feelings about it. Ugh, I know that's terrible, but I did not think it was that great (laughs) and I'm probably going to be in the minority on that I think a lot of people are going to love it um Lady Gaga's voice of course is powerful and amazing and and Bradley Cooper was wonderful I'm sure they'll both get nominated for an Oscar I don't know if they should win Bradley Cooper maybe I actually thought he was pretty great in it but I don't know I don't want to spoil it in case anyone no one has seen it yet but it um it just didn't it felt really contrived for me maybe it's because this is the fourth remake of a star is born um the fourth retelling of this story in the last like 90 years or so and it's like come on hollywood get some original stuff there's so many talented writers and creators in this town and all over the world we got to keep retelling the same story four times so that's my beef that's all i'm saying also i'm mad that it wasn't in it i'm just gonna throw that out there (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to wrap up my mommy monologue because I really want to get to this interview with Michelle. I think you guys are going to love it. I'm really curious to hear if it uh, changes your perspective on Barbie, what your perspective on Barbie is and has been. Um, Because I personally, I loved playing with my Barbies. I really did. And uh, I still do. Channing and I play with them all the time together. So here is my interview with Michelle Chidoni. Hey everyone, my guest today is Michelle Chidoni. She is the Vice President of Global Brand Communications at Mattel. And I am so excited to talk with you. I know this sounds really nerdy, but I watched this documentary that you were in. She's in a documentary which is available now on Hulu called Tiny Shoulders. And it is all about the world of Barbie and the evolution of Barbie. And I was like, I need to talk to this woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so thank you thank, thank you so you. much for uh for finding the time to uh to talk with me today um of course. I would love to just kind of start from the beginning a little bit and tell me how you came to Mattel and and how you came to work with the Barbie brand yeah um I started out at an agency um in kind of communications uh did a lot of crisis communication, actually. Um, I had always wanted to work for Mattel, um, oddly. I, I'm not sure where even where that came from, but, um, you know, living in L.A., um, I knew that Mattel was an L.A.-based company. I'd gone to college in Texas and then returned to California. And um, I had kind of uh, always had this dream of working at Mattel and um, kind of playing in this space of um, kids and child development and these amazing brands that have um, incredible le- legacy and relevance. Um, and I started at Mattel um, in communications um, as an associate manager, um, you know, worked across the entire portfolio and then 
um, found myself on Barbie for quite some time. Um, and I've actually left Mattel and come back. <laughs> um, so I left for three years and then came back. And uh, the whole thing has been a really um, amazing, rewarding experience. Um, and I feel really lucky to have the job that I have. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Barbie brand itself. Was there something in particular that you were drawn to about Barbie or was it really more just overall um, what, what Mattel was doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think overall I was drawn to Mattel um, kind of has always been a kid at heart. And I love this notion um, and still do very much of play and what play means to a child um, from a developmental point of view, from a social point of view, um, from a fact that you know, everybody needs to play in their life to some degree. And I always really was um, attracted to that notion. And, and I loved, um, you know, from a communications and PR lens, it's so much easier to um, talk about a product and brands that you really believe in. And I really believe in the mission of the company and what these toys do. Um, I played with them as a kid and, and I'm watching my daughter play with them now. And um, I truly believe in the fundamental benefits of play um, and what it does for your imagination and your creativity and how it helps you solve problems. And um, that to me was just an amazing uh, thing to spend your day talking about. Um, and I, I realized pretty quickly in my career that um, I needed, if I was going to you know, do communications and constantly sell an idea or a product to other people, particularly from a press and analyst standpoint, um, I really needed to believe in it myself. And um, that's what always has attracted me to Mattel. And, and of course, um, I've had a, a, a decade-long adult relationship with Barbie <laughs> that, um, you know, has really uh, been eye-opening and um, one that I feel grateful to have as a woman, as a mother, um, and as someone um, who appreciates the duality in all things that uh, women are. I think Barbie is a phenomenal example of that. Now, I have to say that also one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk with you is because in the documentary, it showed you guys working. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that, too. But it showed you guys working really long hours in yeah. in a very high stress situation. And then it was like, all of a sudden they cut to you playing with your daughter. And I was like, what? She's a mom. I was like, how is she doing that? Like how stressful, but also what an interesting position that you're in to be around so many toys and around this iconic figure for young girls. And here you are a mom of young, of a young girl. So, um, I was really, I thought, Oh, that's so wonderful. I bet she has a really unique perspective. Um, so the documentary itself, Tiny Shoulders, Rethinking Barbie is the title of it, and it's on Hulu. And it talks about the history of Barbie and where Barbie is now as a brand and um, Mattel as a company. And what's fascinating to me is, you know, I, I didn't grow up having any negative feelings whatsoever about Barbie. I had Barbies. I played with them. But I was never the kid who was like, oh, I have to look like Barbie. I never felt that way. I don't know if that was just because my mom didn't ever feel that way and didn't tell me that that was what I was supposed to do. I just thought, cool, this is really pretty doll and I could cut her hair and braid it and all that yeah. stuff. Where does this negativity towards Barbie come from? Like, why do people feel like this is a standard of beauty? And you, could, you do talk about that a little in the documentary, but I would love to hear yeah. from you as well. You know, I think the title of the documentary is really telling, right? Tiny shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we kind of joke, but it's not a joke. It's really true. Barbie carries a lot. Um, yeah. 
on her tiny shoulders. Um, I think that uh, there's always a notion of as you look at media and influence in society of uh, uh, particularly of beauty, um, you know, Barbie has been at the center of that conversation for 60 years since she was launched in 1959. Um, she was created by a female entrepreneur who, who was a mother um, whose name was Ruth Handler. Um, and Ruth, you know, as a female entrepreneur in the 60s was incredibly break frame and incredibly brave. Um, you know, Barbie was brought onto the scene with a lot of controversy about her body. Um, they could not believe that, uh, you know, male buyers couldn't believe that she was bringing to market a doll with breasts. Um, it was an incredibly controversial, a controversial notion of the time. And so I, I think the fact that she kind of entered the world with a level of controversy around her body and what she looked like actually has stuck with her for, you know, six decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, um, women in particular see what they want to see when they look at Barbie. Um, when a girl looks at Barbie, when you watch a girl play with Barbie, um, you know, that they don't see her body. Um, they don't see, um, you know, I think what an adult sees when they look at the doll. Mm-hmm. Um, they see a canvas for opportunities and play and possibilities. And um, when you watch girls choose dolls, they choose dolls based on that doll looks like my mom, or I love that doll's hairstyle. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that was ultimately really the insight and the reason of why the line needed to evolve was um, as we continue to watch girls play and interact with the doll line, we wanted to make sure that um, there were more dolls that allowed for more storytelling and play experiences for girls Um, and different dolls that look differently ignite different storytelling options. And, And that was something that was really important to the brand. Um, and it was important for the brand to, you know, continue to reflect the world around it. Um, but I think, you know, everyone sees what they want to see um, on Barbie. She is very much a canvas for um, conversation and has very much been a lightning rod for controversy. But that controversy has existed since day one. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's just so strange to me because I, you know, as a young girl, I never ever was like oh I have to live up to this Barbie standard like she was my doll that's like going I have I have to live up to this Cabbage Patch doll standard of beauty like I'm never I would never do that it is a very adult (laughs) lens and adult conversation my husband though he and I have been having um you know we differ lately because there's a Barbie cartoon out and my daughter loves it she's five and she loves all things glitter and pink and sparkly and you know and so it's right up her alley but he doesn't like her to watch it because he thinks it's like you know too on the surface or too you know superficial or whatever and I'm like uh it's a cartoon like I don't know if she wants to start living her life like Barbie we can certainly uh, talk about it but I think you're right as adults we kind of we almost project our own images and our own feelings and thoughts into toys into child's play and instead of letting them figure it out for themselves and yeah a hundred percent I always encourage people who um, think differently about Barbie to actually watch a, a girl or a child for any man or any kid play with a doll. Yeah. Um, because what you see versus what they see is very different. different. Yeah. We see our own insecurities, our own issues, exactly. our own, you know, when we were teased in school or whatever. And then we totally. project that. Um, there's a great, uh, there's a great, several great shots and scenes with you guys in this film with you and your team. Yeah. Um, talking about like really analyzing 
how, what Barbie wears, her clothes, yeah. um, the what the new iteration of Barbie will be. How how thick should she be? How short or how tall? Because you guys had decided um, that you were going to ch- essentially change up the traditional Barbie as we know it. Um, what were some of those conversations like, and from your perspective? Because for me, it was like, oh my gosh, just you know, make just her chunky. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> make a fat Barbie. <laughs> Like, yeah, um, it was, it's so funny. Yeah. I mean, yes, I think you can always look at that and say, gosh, I mean, how much conversation goes into something? Um, a lot, you know, and and there's a lot of reasons why, um, changing an iconic brand that's existed for only six, almost 60 years is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there was a reason and, um, there was a reason why she was built the way that she built, she was built. Mm -hmm. There is a phenomenal fan base for that particular product. Um, you know, Barbie has been the number one fashion doll in the world for most of the time that she's existed. Um, and so, you know, taking, making changes is important, but it's also not something that the company takes lightly. Um, just giving the success and, um, you know, the iconography of the doll, right? The You're there. Is that the fans will stop buying her essentially like they'll, or that they will reject the, the new version and the old, or like, what's the big fear? In, in the change, yeah. um, I think it's just, you know, I think it's a couple things, you know, one, it's, um, it tells a big corporation and getting changed through an organization like that at that level is challenging. Sure. Um, you know, there, yeah, there is a, uh, we have a product that's extremely successful and that works. Um, and changing that is, uh, you know, poses, can pose some risks. Um, will it work? Will people buy it? Um, will it be offensive? Um, will people who are longtime Barbie fans embrace the new dolls? Um, and so, you know, the, the way that we really wanted to operate was make sure that, um, our approach was all about adding variety. Mm -hmm. Um, it was not ever about removing anything from the line. It was about extending the line. Um, making the line more appealing perhaps to people who were turned off by the brand. Um, and what's been really amazing about this product launch is that we've seen that we've seen people who, um, you know, perhaps didn't love Barbie and didn't love, love her body or, or the image of the doll really come around and, 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 uh, appreciate the new body styles. And as a result of appreciating the new body styles have been able to see and uncover the benefit of playing with the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really the, the big, the big piece for us was, um, you know, we, we've constantly talked about the benefits of playing with Barbie, the benefits of girls, um, role playing as presidents, as princesses, as mermaids, as doctors, um, you know, Barbie is a canvas and you can be all those things. And what's magical about, childhood is there is a finite period of your life where you believe you can be mermaid and you can be president. Mm-hmm. And that is magical. It is. Um, and, and that is something that the Barbie brand offers to girls. Um, they, it allows them to imagine themselves as anything they want to be. Um, and, you know, changing the product line and adding more variety into it meant um, that more girls would be able to see themselves in that way. And that was really important to us. It, it seems like it, um, it, it's so hard when you take something that has been an institution, yeah. something that people are used to being a certain way. And I can't imagine that you, that the company was torn between sticking with what has worked and what people know and love and not changing it, you know, versus 
having it change to reflect the world we live in today. And, you know, I can, I can only imagine how, um, the internal conversations that were going on there. It's like, no, we just stay the course. This has worked. This is the product it's always been. This is what people love. Versus, Hey, we have to change with the times, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, what's interesting too, is that, you know, um, sacred cows make people uncomfortable, right? Sure. Um, especially on an iconic brand, right? It, 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 it make, it does, it makes people killing sacred cows, um, makes people uncomfortable. Um, and we need to do it. Any brand needs to do it. Any, any iconic brand that has the heritage that Barbie has needs to constantly reassess, um, who they are and what their core purpose is and if they're relevant today. Um, and that was really the, the crossroads the team was at. Um, and to, you know, a huge credit to our design team, um, doing what they did as far as changing the body and how it's designed and how it looks and the proportion on an 11 and a half inch doll is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there were lots of mechanics actually in the manufacturing of the product. Um, it, you know, it was all about retooling it, making sure that everything looked proportional. Um, you know, Barbie's a system of play where all of her clothes, um, interact and change, right? Um, mm-hmm. so regardless of what doll you have, all of the fashions fit. And this was disrupting that. Um, how do we make that work? Will consumers be upset by that? Um, so- this documentary came out um, in April, actually, of this year. But the documentary itself probably wrapped filming, what, last year sometime? Yeah, I think it wrapped at like the end of 16. Okay, so it's been like uh, a year and a half or so. <laughs> yeah. So the, bar- the, the Barbie has already been out, the new, um, the updated Barbie. And how yeah. has it been received? Yeah, it's been an incredibly positive um uh, incredibly positively received, um, you know, consume, we've seen great consumer, um, feedback, not only that, but, you know, we've really seen consumers vote with their wallets. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see the look of stress on your face in the movie when they, when it was like the day of launch and it was like a really big deal. It was like, everyone's in the war room, like all yeah. hands on deck when they started rolling out the new images and all of that stuff. And you were just like, seemed very concerned. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what's really tough about this um, and what's tough about Barbie in general um, is, you know, the primary objective of what we were doing and and my primary goal and job was to make sure that if people loved or hated the doll, that they understood the intent. Mm -hmm. Um, They understood Mattel's intent. They understood why we were doing what we were doing. Um, And in a lot of cases with Barbie, um, the headlines are really run away, you know, um, she's clickbait. She's interesting. She's topical. She's easy for people to place their own opinions on because she's iconic, but she's not a real human being. Um, and you know, I think what, what I was so concerned about was, um, I knew the intent of this company and this team and why we were doing what we were doing. Um, and we had done so many things and had so many things in place to make sure that that intent was truly heard. Um, but you don't know how those types of things are going to be received. Sure, sure. I mean, with the internet is so fickle. Like, they, yeah. could, they could turn on you in a second. <laughs> totally. And so, you know, um, we had uh, obviously had a great story with Time Magazine, which was mm-hmm. really honest to a really interesting process because Mattel had never done that with a reporter before. Oh, really? You know, oh, wow. Let someone in to our design center to learn about a design process. I mean, that's 
um, that's RIP. Um, that's the cut that, you know, that's what the company does. And, yeah. and I, that was scary for everybody. So um, not only had I pushed for that, but then it was a cover story, which was a blessing and a curse. Um, because you don't, you know, I don't, we don't control the headline or right. what it says or what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was, you know, it would, there was kind of just a lot riding on the external perception of what Mattel had done. Um, not just for the Barbie brand, but for the company, um, you know, the stock price tends to be really reactive to news on Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we knew that this was the right thing to do. We knew that this was going to, we, you know, we really had a good hunch. This was going to yield really positive consumer results as well as ultimately result in positive sales. Um, but it was all in how it was received. That's so interesting. There's so much that goes in to toy making. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just, as parents, we, we just say, Oh, my daughter really liked this. So we go and we buy it, you know, or we see the commercial and they're like, I, I want that for Christmas, you know? Exactly. Um, and I, I would love to know as a mom and also seeing the inside perspective of everything that goes into toy making and also in Barbie in particular, how are you, uh, what does play look like at your house? Is it is it open and free? Do you have discussions about Barbie? Like, what does that look like? Because your daughter is what about four or five? Yeah, she's four now. Four. Um, yeah, you know, play is is something that is really prevalent in my house, um, and it's something that both my husband and I really uh, love to do. We both love to play ourselves, and so one of the best things about having a kid is having an excuse um, to buy all these amazing toys and kind of relive your own childhood. Um, you know, my daughter by, by nature is very much a girly girl. <laughs> um, I actually was not a girly girl as a, as a child and she <laughs> just loves pink and sparkles and rainbows and unicorns, yeah. <laughs> um, everything and anything magical. Um, and dress up is a huge piece of our world. Um, but you know, I, you know, she chooses her toys and obviously she has a lot of Barbie and she has princesses and she has, um, building sets. Um, and she loves arts and crafts and I'm a big believer in variety. Um, you know, not kind of pigeonhole a child into one thing, but, um, letting them explore and play. Um, uh, I love watching her play with Barbie just because of what I know about the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really wild to watch something that you've talked about for a really long time come to life in such a really personal way. Um, you know, my daughter has the Barbie dream house and um, it is home to every stuffed animal toy and doll that exists in our home. Um, and the adventures that take place within that are magical and creative and inspiring. I think we need to look into the dream house. We need more accessories for it. She gets, she keeps losing all the clothes that she dresses them up in. So yeah. they're mostly <laughs> naked all the time. Or naked Barbies are naked very Barbies. prevalent in a child's life. <laughs> and they still have lots of adventures. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all in the storyteller, right? It and totally uh, is. that's what makes it uh, a really awesome experience is uh, to watch the inner workings of a four-year-old's imagination is something that is awesome. Well, I want to encourage everybody to, if you haven't already seen Tiny Shoulders yet on Hulu, to go and watch it. You may even want to watch it with your child because it's really interesting and fascinating story about how um, an iconic toy is made. And I would love to ask you really quickly if there's anything else going on at Mattel that we should know about, anything we should be on the lookout for. 
Yeah. Anything you want to announce or unveil? This time of year is always exciting for Mattel. Um, It's one where we head into the holidays and, um, you know, toys become such a topical topic, uh, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say that, you know, uh, there are tons of amazing toys across all of our brands that really encourage kids to um, be creative and imaginative and play. Um, and whether uh, that's with Barbie or Hot Wheels um, or Polly Pocket um, or American Girl, um, you know, the the vast variety that Mattel offers and um, the quality of the, the play experience um, is really unparalleled and um, something that is uh, magical to be a part of and really fun to watch uh, your kid uh, play with these products. Um, you know, not just during the holiday season, but uh, particularly uh, during any t- any playtime. Yeah. Well, it is definitely the time of year for toys. That is for sure. We're getting our list ready. We're, we're already talking about Santa. I know. I, <laughs> I hear you on that. Yes. It's a topical conversation. Well, I'm going to put up information about Tiny Shoulders as well as Michelle up on motherhoodinhollywood.com. Michelle, thank you so much for your time. Of course. No, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. And you guys uh, remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls.